lock and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And greetings. Happy Monday. Thanks for logging on here on Blaze TV radio and podcast. I am Steve Dace. Aaron McIntyre and Todd Erzin are here with me as well. 888-900-3393 is the number here on Blaze TV radio and podcast. 888-900-3393. You can also let us know what you think about what we think via the stevedace.com inbox. Steve at stevedace.com is how you can email us. You can also like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. And the last name, for those of you wondering, is D-E-A-C-E. And if you're looking for clips of this show that you can sample or share, just go to youtube.com slash Steve Dace. We have a ton to get to here today. Uh, our good friend Bob Vanderplatz will be joining us here at the bottom of the hour. Next hour, we're going to walk you through what we've already learned and then where this ultimately may go from this time forward. But before we do all of that, here's Aaron's rundown of what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away brought to you by 30 more days. I'll say it again. The peak, the highest point of death rates, remember this, is likely to hit in two weeks. Nothing would be worse than declaring victory before the victory is won. That would be the greatest loss of all. Therefore, the next two weeks and during this period, it's very important that everyone strongly follow the guidelines, have to follow the guidelines that our great vice president holds up a lot. He's holding that up a lot. He believes in it so strongly. The better you do, the faster this whole nightmare will end. Therefore, we will be extending our guidelines to April 30th to slow the spread. In addition to the 15-day flatten the curve effort, which ends today, it'll be around 45 days by April 30th that the White House guidelines on social distancing will have been in effect. Dr. Anthony Fauci went on CNN yesterday to talk about the latest projections for the death toll for coronavirus. I would say between 100 and 200,000 cases, but I don't want to be held to that because it's, it's, it's excuse me, deaths. I mean, we're going to have millions of cases, but I, I just don't think that we really need to make a projection when it's such a moving target that you can so easily be wrong. Later on yesterday, he said this. The number they gave out is, you know, based on modeling. Um, and I think it's entirely conceivable that if we do not mitigate to the extent that we're trying to do, that you could reach that number. It's possible. I mean, you could make a big soundbite about it, but the fact is it's possible. But the decision to prolong, not prolong, but to extend this mitigation process until the end of April, I think was a wise and prudent decision. At least one of the new projections the White House team is using to make their decisions is based on a study from the University of Washington, which forecasts around 80,000 deaths by August due to the disease, and that's on the low end. That study is paid for by the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation and looks at how the Chinese handled the virus in Wuhan as a model for America. Learning Chinese today, today's phrase is, it takes a depression on the chin or else it gets shut down again. 下巴凹浅, 
Speaking of China, it's becoming increasingly creepy how far their tentacles are into everything. The following was an interview a television network in Hong Kong did with Canadian Bruce Aylward of the World Health Organization. He was asked about Taiwan's handling of the Wuhan coronavirus. Of course, calling Taiwan Taiwan is very politically incorrect in communist China. Would the WHO consider Taiwan's membership? Hello? We, 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 I'm sorry, I, can't hear, I couldn't hear your question. Okay, yeah, let me, let, let me, let me repeat the question. No, so, that's okay. Let, let's move to another one then. Right, because, because I'm, I'm actually curious on talking about Taiwan as well, on Taiwan's case. We decided to give Dr. Alward another call to follow up. And I just want to see if you can comment a bit on how Taiwan has done so far in terms of containing the virus. Well, we've, we've already talked about China. And, um, you know, when you look across all the different areas of, uh, of China, they've actually all done quite a good job. So with that, I'd like to thank you very much for inviting us to participate. And, uh, and good luck as you go forward with the battle in Hong Kong. Meanwhile, back in the United States, Mayor Bill de Blasio of New York City is proving once more to be a really loathsome figure. Everyone has been instructed that if they see worship services going, uh, services going on, uh, they will go uh, to the officials of that congregation. They'll inform them they need to stop the services and disperse. If that does not happen, they will take additional action up to the point of uh, fines and potentially uh, closing the building permanently. Police in Rhode Island are doing their best to hunt down New Yorkers who fled their state. According to Bloomberg, Rhode Island police, along with the National Guard, conducted house-to-house searches for New Yorkers who displayed shelter-in-place warnings. In good news, the FDA late last night issued an emergency use authorization for hydroxychloroquine and chloroquine, the malaria drugs, for use to treat the Wuhan coronavirus. And that's what happened while we were away. Well, I I am not sure what to say to you. I'm, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not sure what tact to take in response to what's happened over the last 24 hours. Just like I told you the last couple of weeks, where does the expertise end and the worldview worldview bias begin? I have to check myself along those lines. Where, where does my analysis end and my frustration begin? So I think, I think we're actually going to start there. Um, we're big proponents of self-awareness on this program. And, and I think that we need to begin with acknowledging, or at least I do, and it's my name on the show, I need to begin by acknowledging I'm only a human being. I have feelings, opinions, and thoughts about this 
as a husband, father, American, like all of you do, I, I just happen to be paid to express them more directly into a larger audience than most of you, um, most of you have to, or get to for that matter. So what I'm about to say, you should acknowledge the, the bias that I'm owning up to going in. I'm, I'm doing my best to remove that. But I'm not a Vulcan. I'm, I'm not superhuman. I'm, I'm just human. So I'm probably going to be better at it than I would have been last night. Probably not as good at it as I need to still be. Here are some things we have learned in the last 24 hours. I, I think we need to consider that any potential outcome is now possible. I, I think you need to consider, I mean, when you look at the way we have responded to this, we have data that is unreliable, frankly, and I'm being kind. In fact, maybe I'll actually, re, re, I'll, I'll, I'll reverse and start from here. Anthony Fauci is president of the United States. I'm actually going to start there. And it's actually kind of fitting because we're largely run by non-governmental agencies and organizations anyway that just decide when you have somebody that you elect and you want to get out of Afghanistan, belay that. We're not doing that. Largely, your votes get nullified anyway by the, the, the deep state, bureaucracy, whatever you want to call it. The NGOs, the NGAs, they're calling the shots. Anthony Fauci, and you may, some of you, I'm, I'm guessing, may even be comforted by that. And I don't know that you shouldn't. You need to know, I am instantly suspicious. Yeah, I grew up without being able to trust the most important figure in my own home, my dad, on a daily basis. I, I didn't know on a daily basis if we were going to Cedar Point or getting or, or getting uh, beaten. I didn't know. And it could change even in the middle of a conversation. He could just flip on you like a dime. So out of that experience, I, I just instinctively don't trust whoever in the room I am told is infallible. Doesn't mean my distrust always pays off. But the minute you tell me that's the guy that's unassailable, that's the guy I immediately start to doubt. Just baggage from the way I was raised. Human nature doesn't wear infallibility. Well, history has taught us that too. I mean, you have, uh, he, he was speaking even just in the last couple of hours. I saw this quote. Well, you know, the president was basically going to open things up, but we strongly argued for him not to do so, and he listened to us. Anthony Fauci's running the country right now. And people want to talk about how mercurial Trump is, and he just throws stuff out there. Well, the guy who's the real president went on CNN yesterday, just threw a number out of his, out of his blank hole, 
And then just a, and then a few hours later, out there on the White House lawn, admitted he did that. And that's the guy we're supposed to trust, right? That's the guy with all the degrees. He's the one really, he's the, he's the, he's, I'm sorry. He's the expert. And he's just out there randomly throwing numbers out. I guess if, if you want something positive, we're making progress because he was previously telling us a few weeks ago, 2 million people were going to die. And so now we're down to 200,000. So at least the trend line's going in the right direction, per se. He throws this out there on national television, no context, no citation, nothing. Just, and that's the guy that the system that, that sparked this hysteria and panic wants us to trust as the one really making the decisions. I just, I don't trust infallibility. I just don't. So with, with that in mind, the big lesson to learn here is he's running the country. And this is, I mean, this is a, this has been done for centuries in human cultures. There's the guy who sits on the throne in the room. And then when everybody walks away and, and the court is, is convened or, or is, um, is let out of the room speaks the it speaks the soothsayings to the man in charge so there's the guy who wears the throne but then there's the power behind it that ultimately is is prophesying and soothsaying and making those decisions and sometimes those have been tremendous men sometimes they haven't been but that is what is happening here in america right now the person you elected is not running the country somebody most of you had never even heard of four weeks ago is calling the shots now. That's not a judgment. It's an observation. And I think it's without a shadow of the doubt, actually. I don't even think that's in dispute. I don't think it's arguable. And I think if you deny that, then you're one of those people that really believes China's Wuhan virus reporting data too. You're just believing things that you want to believe. I'm going to believe the things that are made obvious to me. And I think what's been made obvious to us so Anthony Fauci is now in charge of the country. Now, here's the thing to keep up, uh, keep in mind, though, about the, the guy behind the throne, the soothsayer prophet. Those guys tend to, uh, you know, rise fast and burn out faster like rock stars. History shows that, too. You're the Oracle at Delphi one day, you're Rasputin the next. History shows us that, too. So that's the case right now. I have no idea if that'll be the case 24 hours from now. 30 days from now, who knows? Who knows? I think you people might have, and we the people might have a large say in that. Because the more and more stories we see, like Macy's just five minutes ago, uh, going dark, one of the legendary American companies. I mean, how many companies get their own movie? Not many. At least not in a positive light like Macy's does, with Miracle on 34th Street. Well, now it's dark on 34th Street. All their stores went dark. 130,000 employees gone. And there will be more. Many more. If this lasts for the next 30 days, you will see a, a growing divide in the country between those who can make a living from home and those who can't. And the list that's going to shrink is the list of those who can make a living from home. 
we still don't have any, there is no data that indicates systemic shutdowns do any better of a job of isolating this than more targeted ones. There just isn't. In fact, the New York Times of all places ran a story yesterday talking about Sweden, which has done a very targeted shutdown, but still many of its pubs, restaurants are open. You can still go ski the slopes. The college kids are at home, but the K through 12 kids are still in school. People walk in the streets and its coronavirus rates are almost exactly what its neighboring countries are when you adjust for its larger population base. Just a report out of Japan today that shows their infections are spreading 18 times more with people in isolated indoor conditions. I think I might have an explanation for that. I'll share that with you later in the show today. It's a lesson we learned from the we learned the hard way from the first SARS virus 17 years ago. So now that Anthony Fauci is running the country, and right now his influence matters more than you and I's. Now that may change as we get further into the month of April, because now you're starting a new quarter. We've already wrecked the first quarter of our economy. Now we're going to wreck the second one. Because again, whenever this thing goes back, this isn't, like a, this isn't like a video on YouTube, folks, that's paused. And we just pick up where we left off. This thing has been shut off. Like when you shut your computer off, totally off, it takes time to warm back up. The, the essential systems warm up first. Right? Then maybe your VPN or your antiviral software. That's why most people don't do it. It takes forever, it seems, even with more modern technology for your computer to start up. It's going to be like that, but on a much bigger scale. So, for right now, anyway, our voices are not relevant. Anthony Fauci's voice is more relevant than all of yours combined. Especially when you combine it with the voices of those who just want their apocalypse no matter what. They have to have this. They need it. For whatever reason. Some of it is the more secularized we've become, the more fearful of our mortality we are. Some of it is these are just people who are secularized and therefore conditioned by the state on what to think. I think what's happened here, because I, I see people, including a lot of people I like and respect, sharing what the death rates are for obesity and cancer and heart disease and auto accidents. And I, I, I think the reason why that's not moving more of your countrymen is because those things are all part of the plan. They're all part of the plan. They're baked into the cake. We already know that that is a sunk cost of society, and we've come to grips with it and made our peace with it as human beings. That there's nothing ultimately, we can mitigate it. You know, I can get that lump in my breast checked as early as possible. But ultimately, I cannot stop the lump from, from, my, from forming in my breast. So we've, we've accepted that and fit it into the overall plan. This, however, came out of nowhere 
Most of us didn't know what it was four, five, six weeks ago. And it was unplanned. So now the plan has been blown up. And whenever human societies are confronted with something outside of the plan, they panic. Doesn't matter the religious view, socioeconomic conditions. This is the human condition. The Israelite people watched God through Moses call down seven curses on the Egyptian empire. They saw the visible act of God, hand of God. And when they got to the banks of the Red Sea and were trapped between them, that water and those chariots of Pharaoh, even despite all the evidence that the hand of God was providentially and directly involved at this moment, what did they do? They panicked. They panicked. This wasn't part of the plan. We were going to leave and get out to the get out to the wilderness and uh, and 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 land flowing of milk and honey. And now we're cornered. This wasn't part of the plan. This isn't what you sold. It's not part of the plan. Moses has to look at a hysterical people and say to them, "Stand still and wait for the salvation of the Lord." The apostles spent every day with Jesus for three and a half years. When they put put him in his, his body behind us, his dead body behind a stone. What did they do? They hid, they panicked. Wasn't part of the plan. Well, wasn't part of their plan. Whenever we get outside of the plan and no worldview is immune to this. Whenever we get outside of the plan, we panic. Some of you will say, well, Steve, this is different than those other maladies and that it's contagious. Those other maladies are contagious contagious too very few people die from one car accidents most of the time it's because you hit somebody or they hit you cancer heart disease whenever you go for a physical what's the first thing that they ask you your family history a lot of those things are passed down via heredity a lot of them are also learned modeled behaviors you had a poor example in the home it's why we spend millions of dollars on psas on behavior modification because society sets a bad example. Things can be indirectly contagious as well. In fact, dictionary.com even says so. All of those things are contagious too. Just a different kind of contagious. No, no, this is because this is outside the plan. And whenever we get outside the plan, we panic. And so that's why I believe every possible solution is now on the table. And I wouldn't bet on any of them. I don't, I don't, at least not today. I, I don't know what the odds are. I think it is, when you look at how fast we forked over our individual liberty, shuttered our churches, and committed economic suicide on untested data, just random, in fact, And just immediately took people's word for it without, vest, without vetting them. If, if our society is, is, is that unhinged, if our government is that, the, the mass colossus leviathan that is the United States government, if it, is, if it is that on edge, 
then I, I don't have a clue how this will turn out. Everything from maybe we learn our lessons about unfettered immigration and outsourcing of manufacturing to we are just a complete total socialist state. I mean, I think everything's on the table. I, I do. So, you know, we, we talked the last couple of weeks about pray for your leaders like you never have before. And I, I would continue doing that. But, I, but I, I, I would pray for your country like you never have before. Because I, I think there are outcomes on the table here that there probably haven't been since we got up the morning of December 8th, 1941. And realized that it was possible we'd all end up speaking Japanese and being forced to worship Hirohito as God. That it, that it was possible and that, that's, that's happening over there. I mean, Hitler's doing, dancing the jig at the Champs Elysees, but that couldn't happen. It, it could actually happen here. I, I think everything's on the table now. I, I think this is, Mr. Shakespeare, this is the undiscovered country we have entered into now. Every last outcome's on the table. Especially when you look at how Donald Trump is wired. Anyway, he's mercurial by nature anyway, whether you like him or not. That's just a fact of who he is. And I, I would advise all of us, beginning with myself, to start taking events on a day-by-day -day basis. Don't automatically attempt to String days of thoughts together. This is highly random now. We're outside of the plan. No one has a plan. There is no plan. And I don't know when the last time we as Americans lived in a country without a plan. Maybe we've never done it. But I, I, I think for sure now, this is a cultural Pearl Harbor. I said it last week and then I kind of wondered, eh, am I a little worked up? Nope. No, I, I think the events of the last 24 hours have confirmed it. Gentlemen, do you have any thoughts? Um, I would... The Catholic readings, uh, and I, I don't want to take this for granted, they're the same in every Catholic church throughout the world. And the first reading is the Old Testament reading from Ezekiel, the, the major prophet whose entire ministry was in Babylonian captivity. And it's remarkable we, we, how prescient that was this day, this hour, to hear that because we are living in a different country now. 
and it's very much a Babylonian captivity of our own making in many respects. The, the, the fear-based paranoia coming right now out of the Christian community is something we aren't allowed to have. And God expressly said as much, if I am yours and you are mine, then this is how things are going to go. And we, at the very least, in whatever that community is in this nation and across the world, we need to get right with that because we are playing by the enemy's playbook in so many respects right now. The, 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 the thumb-sucking coming out of the community of Christians right now. Be afraid! Be afraid! It's appalling. That's what I'm struck by. There's just no strength in our community. Almost none. You can't tell where the world begins and where the church uh, ends, and I don't mean that in a good way. This isn't Christendom. It's uh, it's chilling. Yeah, I mean, it's I have no time here. Um, it's confirmation to the world as far as the the last part of of what Todd said. It's it's conforming to the world um, and not having our minds be transformed. And if, if I have a, well, I guess we'll have Bob on, uh, but I'll, I'll share more of my thoughts later on the show, I'm sure. We'll come back more in a moment here on Blaze TV radio and podcast. I'm Steve Bates. Hey, if you like what we're trying to do here at The Blaze, which is cut through uh, the hysteria and the panic and the fake news and and get as best we can to what the truth is, uh, now has never been a better time then uh, to subscribe to Blaze TV. Go to blazetv.com. Use my name, Steve, as a promo code. You'll get the most discounted subscription we've ever offered here at Blaze TV. It gets to about $5.76, I think, a month. $5.76 a month is what we're asking right now. So it's the best sale we've ever had at Blaze TV. And I think we're doing some of the best content maybe we've ever done uh, as a channel right now as well. So if you want to take advantage of that, go to blazetv.com and use my name, Steve, as a promo code to get that great discount. Biggest discount we've ever offered before. blazetv.com, promo code Steve. That's $30 off your annual subscription. It comes out to like $5 and change a month. Promo code Steve at blazetv.com. Let's get to our good friend, Bob Vanderplatz from The Family Leader. Good to see you, Bob. How are you? Doing really well. I'm being a little bit better right now. But, uh, two of our boys came back home to work from home at our home. <laughs> so they're moving back in. So I want, uh, let's go through last week's chain of events. On Monday, it begins with the President of the United States saying, um, the cure cannot be worse than the disease. By Wednesday, we're throwing around Easter. On Friday, Thomas Massey, one of the few actually decent people in Congress, is accused of being a traitor to America because he simply wants a vote on arguably the most expensive piece of legislation in all of human history. All of human, not American, human history. All right? And for that, uh, the president labels him a traitor. We get to Sunday and, well, we need to do this for another 30 full days. Even by this president's standard of mercurial, Bob, that is one hell, one hell of a week. Your thoughts, my friend. Well, I got a lot of thoughts. Uh, the, the first one is, I think, first of all, by having President Trump be president, uh, I really believe the default is he wants to open up this economy. 
especially when he has operated Trump Enterprises uh, for his entire lifetime. Uh, the hotel chains, the golf, the golf courses, the restaurants, which are just taking a brutal beating right now. And I think what what he said earlier in the week, but I want to have this thing opened up by Easter. He meant it. And so yesterday at the press conference, when he said, you know, what, we're not going to do it. We're going to stay shut down for another 30 days. We're going to keep the things in place for another 30 days. I've got to believe somebody got to him. And I know it's Fossey and I know it's Burtz. And there's got to be other experts of saying, uh, here's the trend lines that you're going to be looking at if you're going to open this thing up. And he, de- he decided that it's just not worth it right now. So as much as I think, Steve, I'm with you and with a lot of other business owners who say, you know, let's open this thing up. It's also a time where I'm trying to say, you know, I also want to I want to trust the people that we elected were a representative government. And if he believes this is the right course of action, let's take it. And when we go on the other side of this thing, there's going to be a lot of analysis to see what went right, what went wrong, and how can we be better prepared if this were to ever happen again. What's been the record of our experts in recent years? Well, it's a, I mean, it's a good question. From a, from a, from a, I'm not talking about like from an economic ingenuity technological standpoint. I'm talking from a from a public policy standpoint. How good of a record have America's experts had in recent years? Well, I think that's the problem. I think that's why there's a lot of lost confidence and a lot of questioning right now. Um, and I'm thinking, I, I look through the lens of, say, Governor Reynolds. I ran for the, the office of governor in the state of Iowa. And obviously, you can't know everything as you take on different deals. So you have to rely on expert advice, expert input. And they all seem to be uh, galvanizing to one thing. Now, it might be because you will not have to pay politically if you overreact. But you will pay politically if you underreact. Now, that might be the excuse there. Uh, the other thing might be is that now there, there's a real reason here to say, you know what, uh, we need to keep either, whether it be a, a social distancing or this pattern going uh, to keep people like whether it be our grandpas or our grandchildren or whether it be our disabled loved ones, um, hopefully safe and secure. Uh, I don't know. What I, what I also do know, though, is that I'm a product of a World War II veteran, uh, my dad, uh, who would say, you know, we probably would disagree with some decisions at time. But the big deal right now is win the war. So let's win the war. And let's go on the backside of this thing, and now let's analyze what went right, what went wrong, who should pay the price, and what, how can we be better prepared moving forward next time? I agree with winning the war. Where you and I may disagree is, what is the war? See, I don't think the virus is the war. And here's, here's the data out of Iowa as of three minutes ago, okay? As of three minutes ago, a, f- a total of 424 positive tests in Iowa. Um, 6,162 negative tests. If you do that ratio, it means 6.5% of the people tested in our home state have tested positive. And you have got to assume they are testing the most asymptomatic or vulnerable first, right? Like if, if you were on a bike ride and called the hospital and said, hey, I was listening to a podcast and they told me that uh, this thing is uh, Captain Trips. I want to come in and get a test. Would, would they tell you, call, halt your bike ride, Bob, and come on in? Would they tell you that? No, matter of fact, no. I think I told you a couple of weeks ago that Darla was running a fever. Right. She did have a cough. Right. I told her, I said, hey, they want the data, so call in and maybe you, you need to get tested. Right. And they told her, you're not severe enough yet. You're not at 103, 104 temp. You don't smoke. So, you're not oh, obese. You're a healthy woman. There's, yep, yep, yep. There's, we're saving the tests. Okay. Yeah. Your biggest risk is you're married to Bob. Yeah. I got it. <laughs> yes. All right. So that means six and a half percent of the people we've tested in Iowa, which has per capita the highest obesity rate in America, by the way. 
combined with one of the oldest populations, and it ain't been warm here the last few weeks. Today might be the warm, one of the warmest days we've had in the last couple of weeks. So 6.5% of the people we've tested, testing the most symptomatic and vulnerable first probably, have been positive. Right now, there's 51 people in Iowa hospitals because of this. That's 0.07%. Now, I know people are going, that's, that's not a lot, by the way. Um, people are going to say, well, well, Steve, I mean, this is the, these next two weeks are going to be the worst. Remember four weeks ago, the next two weeks were going to be the worst. Last Monday, the Surgeon General went on national te television and said, this is going to be a very, very difficult week. Um, what, see, I think define difficult. De define crisis, right? Like we have, at what point, at what point is the cure worse than the disease? Because when Macy's is, is closing all of its stores and laying off 130,000 employees, there's going to be a lot more of those stories here in the next few weeks. So what, what is the war? What is the war? And Steve, I totally agree with you. I mean, you and I share a good friend who's going to lay off 150 people this week. Now, there's a lot of people who are going to be losing their jobs. Uh, what I'm looking at is um, probably another definition is defined elected official. And mm -hmm. so you take a look at a President Trump in regards to, you know what? He's a pro. We, everybody said, you know, we didn't elect a pastor. Remember that? Yeah. We elected a businessman. Right. A businessman understands these concepts. Governor Reynolds has been one of the most pro-business governors in our state's history. And so these guys, by saying, okay, we're going to keep implying social distancing, and you, you had Birch yesterday at the press conference saying, we have hard numbers, we have real data, they're going to let us know what that is. I hope they're ap operating on the best of data. But my thing right now is, if we're really going to do this, if we're really, really, really going to do this, then let's shut this thing down, let's win this war, and now let's analyze it. I heard a projection just today before I went on the show. April 30 is just will be another extension on April 30 to the end of May. And so you, you start wondering, when do we stop doing this thing? So, I, what, so why don't we just name the virus Afghanistan? Well, it could be. And so I think people in your position should, you should question the data. But me as a former educator, show me your work. Where's it coming from? But right now, these are the people in charge of making the decisions and if we were to say, who would you like to be in charge making these decisions right now when you have an economy hanging in the balance and you have a quote unquote, what's the real risk of a virus hanging in the balance? We'd say, well, you want a guy like President Trump, even more than, say, like a Mike Huckabee and definitely more than a Joe Biden or a President Obama. The fact is, for some reason, he has been convinced that we cannot move forward. With, I mean, that we need to delay this longer. Governor Reynolds being the same one. Now, it might be a herd mentality of saying, you know what, I can't get shot in the herd. But if I go outside the herd, I might get killed. It may be that. That's usually what it is. But I think what it is, I think part of the panic, and we've seen this before with a lot of different things, part of the panic is this is an unknown. Uh, we know about the flu, but mm -hmm. this coronavirus, and people are playing on people's worst nightmares and fears. And this is something that's being personalized. Afghanistan is way out there. Kavanaugh is way out there. Ukraine, Russia, way out there. Now you're talking about somebody's grandpa. You're talking about somebody's son. You're talking about somebody's granddaughter. It also gets very, very personalized, and people are going, now I'm hunkering down. So at the family leader, we're, we're doing the best we can to abide by the precautions that, they, that they've talked about. We're doing the best we can to coordinate shepherd to shepherd to meet community needs. And we're doing the best we can to say, let's go forward with the gospel right now and give people true hope 
if they're severely panicked. So you've you've been successful in your political career defying the experts in established paradigms, right? That we don't have to just do everything the judges say, et cetera, right? At, at what point, at what point does somebody like you say, I, you know what, man, we, you know, we've done this long enough and, and I don't need a governor to tell me how to run my business or my, my nonprofit, or I don't need the president to tell me. And my church, you know, uh, we've, we've, we've done this for a few thousand years before anybody knew what a coronavirus or a SARS virus was. At what point does somebody like you say, you know, I just, I, I, it, I just have to get back to normal at, at some point. At some point, we just have to get back to living our lives. Well, I think everybody wants to get back to normal, us included. Uh, at the same time, we want to we operate with a degree of wisdom. So I think they need to continue to show us the data. If the data does not support why we're continuing to be shut down, I think we have every right to question it. That's the thing. The the data doesn't, actually. They keep selling us on these projections and simulations that all keep getting devised down the longer we go and have yet to come come to fruition yet. The data actually, if the data supports anything, frankly, it's quarantining New York City. If it supports anything, it's quarantining New Orleans, Louisiana, or Seattle, Washington. It might support that. Okay, but it actually doesn't. I don't believe it supports this. It doesn't. In fact, they so, were just telling us on Friday that the doomsday scenarios aren't coming to fruition until Anthony Fauci went out there on Sunday and just dropped another doomsday scenario on it. So they, the, the doomsday scenarios aren't happening until apparently they are. Yeah, well, I, I get that, Stephen. I think it's why it's good that we continue to question. And I think, quite frankly, you saw Trump last week at the beginning of the week, which you started out your show with who is really being, I think, influenced a lot by his own instincts, but also from some of the voices, I think probably some from you, uh, voices are going, what are we really doing here? And he wants to open up this thing up for business. So why does a guy like Trump, that's my bigger question, why does a guy like Trump, bold, courageous, willing to go outside the box, he's a business leader, he wants this economy thriving, he knows in the best interest of re-election, he knows it's the best interest of his legacy of, of the presidency, why does he then say, you know what, we're going to close it down yet till April 30. And right now he's president of the United States. I'm president of the family leader. So he makes that decision. I don't. My best thing to do then is, okay, I'm going to operate with as much wisdom as we can. And when we get on the backside, that's just like when I talked to the business owners and lay off 150 workers this week. He said the same thing because I don't necessarily agree with it. I'm going to keep moving with it. And at the end, I want to analyze what happened here. And are we going to be panicked again? I think we're in the midst of this thing. But I want to go to the second part of your question. I do believe for church leaders, for pastors, to hold services and to encourage their congregants to come into to the worship sanctuary with them right now, this is not a religious liberty issue. This is be safe, be a leader of your congregation right now. There's also a threat of common sense that we do. It's Liberty University. You know, come back to campus. Now we've got 12 COVID-19 uh, students running around there. Operate with a threat of common sense, but also understand we live in a republic. And a republic is that we elect these officials to represent us and to make tough decisions like they're, they're making right now. And then we have a chance to challenge them. But right now, I think what it is, we want to win this war. And I understand what you're saying. The war may be the economic war. I totally agree with that. Um, and it may be making sure that we don't overrun a healthcare system if that's really what we're in danger of doing.
Bob, good to talk to you, brother. Thank you. Good to visit with you. God yep. bless. Same to you. Aaron, I shortchanged you last time. I've got a few minutes here, so I'll let you talk. Go ahead, brother. Sorry about that. Well, uh, first reacting to uh, one of the things that uh, Bob said towards uh, towards the end of that segment about how this is close to home, unlike Afghanistan, and um, and so that 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 changes people's perspectives a little bit when it's grandpa or grandma that's impacted, and and that's true. It also cuts the other way, as well. If we get to another two weeks, remind, uh, weren't, weren't we told like two or three weeks ago that this thing is going to peak in two or three weeks? Yes. Now we're being told it's going to peak in two or three weeks? Yes. If in two, at what point does the tipping point actually tip and people are, I, I don't We have to fight the see, virus over there so that it doesn't come here. I don't I'm, see, I'm sorry, it's another issue. I'm sorry. I don't see the peak. I'm sorry. And you've been told, you've been telling me to stay indoors all this time. I don't have a job anymore. This $1,200 check barely covered rent. Now I've either got to go on foods. People, the same impulses that are driving, you've said this before, the same impulses that are driving, that are driving the panic are going to drive people to the streets, are going to drive violence and in some form. I mean, cops are already are already telegraphing this. Jurisdiction certain jurisdictions are already saying we ain't going to uh, arrest people for vi- for for crimes. We're not going to arrest people for theft right now. You're telegraphing to, to, to criminals anyway that that's what's going to happen. I mean, every single level of every single reaction to this is cloaked with at least uh, at least three fallacies on, on every single level, cloaked with fallacy after fallacy, and I listened to this. I listened to that press conference yesterday, the coronavirus task force press conference yesterday, and I'm fighting giving in to the same defeatism <laughs> from the other side of the coin. That there, that you know, that that that's that's driven us to this point. It was a Neville Chamberlain because, impersonation, as well. Because, it was. because I, I I don't I don't care, I don't care about really looking at the studies in depth and looking at numbers and crunching numbers. I, I don't I don't care about that anymore because it's clear that the people, the the experts, the leaders who are making these decisions, it, they they don't care about that either. And those are the people apparently who who matter, not me. Not not you who do all the tax paying, living and dying around here. So we can crunch all the numbers we want if if our voices aren't being heard. And again, I'm trying not to let the defeatism come through and it's coming through. So I'm going to stop right there before I depress everyone. So when we come back here at the top of hour two, we're going to do our best to separate fact facts from fiction on what we've been told so far. You don't want to miss this. Stay tuned. With hour two live and on demand here on Blaze TV radio and podcast. I am Steve Dace, Todd Erzin, and Aaron McIntyre. They are here with me as well. All right, coming up here in just a couple of minutes. By the way, the number here is 888-900-3393. That's 888-900-3393. Coming up here in a couple of minutes, we're going to take a look back at what we know and have been told so far and try to separate fact 
from fiction. All right. You can also email the program, steve at stevedace.com. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. And don't forget, uh, there are clips that you can sample and share of this program every day on YouTube at youtube.com slash Steve Dace. And if you like the show, if you wouldn't mind leaving us five-star reviews, the more of those we get, it certainly helps the show to grow. And we can all use as much help as we could possibly get right now. So thank you to all of you that have left us one of those five-star reviews already. And then also don't forget right now, we are running an all-time discount at Blaze TV. So we are doing our best here uh, to try to cut through the muck and the mire and find some truth in what has become now chaos theory brought to life. All right, we're trying to ask questions that, that frankly, the White House press corps ought to be asking. So if you like what we're doing here, there's never been a better time to be a Blaze TV subscriber. For example, our overtime later today, uh, our good friend Jordan Schachtel, who's in on a lot of uh, the data, he has been closely following it. Him and I have been chatting uh, all weekend long. He's going to be joining us for the overtime. You don't want to miss that. One way to make sure you don't miss that, because it's exclusive to Blaze TV subscribers, just go to blazetv.com. Use my name, Steve, as the promo code. Get $30 off an annual subscription to Blaze TV. Comes out to just a little more than $5 a month. You don't want to miss that. BlazeTV.com, promo code Steve. BlazeTV.com, promo code Steve. All right, this portion of the show brought to you by friends over at RidUZone. Um, I was watching our uh, our church message yesterday uh, from our pastor online, and uh, he showed us a meme of what another 30 days uh, at home could do. Uh, and, and it was a meme of what little Debbie looked like before coronavirus and then what she looks like now. And, uh, and she's packed on a few. <laughs> All right. So if you are thinking, boy, is now is the time. Uh, to get back on the wagon with uh, eating right and losing weight. Let Riduzone help you because they're, they're especially suited for the issue this time of year, which is portions and cravings and keeping those things under control. And Riduzone is the only FDA-approved product that includes OEA. That's the naturally occurring molecule that helps you feel full faster and burns stored fat while reducing your calorie intake. But you can only get Riduzone on its website at R-I-D-U-Z-O-N-E. R-I-D-U Z-O-N-E for RidUZone.com. And if you go there and use the promo code Steve, you'll save up to 65% on your order and get free shipping as well. So a massive discount plus free shipping at RidUZone.com. R-I-D-U-Z-O-N-E. R-I-D-U-Z-O-N-E. Promo code Steve. So in lieu of our town hall this week, I made the decision that I wanted to take this hour. Now, as we are approaching... A milestone here. Tomorrow will be the anniversary of the launch of the initial 15-day effort to, quote-unquote, flatten the curve from the White House. And it was announced yesterday that that endeavor is going to be extended another 30 days. So now that we're entering into phase two of this battle versus both the hysteria, the panic, but also a very vicious virus, I thought it was important. So many of you are emailing me. I've gotten more emails in the last week than I have in my entire career about anything I've ever done. And a good portion of them are, hey, can you supply me that link? Or can, do you remember when you posted blank? So what I wanted to do here at, at, during this segment of the show is I wanted us to produce a video that we can then release for you and have you easily share where we have kind of a, a, a clearinghouse, if you will, 
of all of the major news that we have talked about on this show about the battle against coronavirus and the panic it's caused and put it all together in one video so that you could have it on the record and easily share it. All right. And we're calling it facts as in frequently asked questions. Facts versus fear where coronavirus is concerned. All right. Frequently asked criticisms, laments, polemics. All right. How do we answer them? And we're going to go through these here for the next few minutes. Here's the very first one. Does the United States really lead the world in Wuhan coronavirus cases and deaths? If you believe the data coming out of communist China, which shows the United States is more threatened by SARS-2, which is really what this is, than the country which gave birth to it, then you are either bought off by the Shycoms or too dangerously naive to be given the right to vote, maybe even the ability to drive. Communism is a lie. Communists lie. Do not believe any, and I would put that in all caps, man, bold it, italicize it, all right, glitter bomb it. Do not believe any media that is now reporting the U.S. is worse off than China. They're now saying Spain is. Folks, they're rioting in China. I saw this video over the weekend. The province that Wuhan is in, the Chinese government keeps trying to declare it all clear. And the province next door doesn't want to let those people into their towns. So they're sending their police out to protect their province. And they're fighting the police of the other one to stop them from being infected. Don't believe anything China says. Anything. All right. Any media that is reporting the U.S. is worse off than China is simply too biased or too dumb to be believed. Therefore, it should not be. China was bragging about reopening its movie theaters last week. We told you that news that lasted for about 36 hours. People either were too reinfected or didn't want to go. And so they've shut them all down, over 700 of them all over again. Next, do wholesale lockdowns like what's happening in the U.S., Israel, and the European Union do a better job of stopping the spread than more targeted quarantine efforts? Well, according to Dr. Michael Osterholm, he's the director of the Center for Infectious Research. He has worked for the last five U.S. presidencies, including this one. The answer to that question is no. He wrote in the Washington Post that China and Italy have, quote, imposed near draconian lockdowns, unquote, with no assurance of when normal life will return. And that, quote, Hong Kong has closed schools. Singapore did not, and there was hardly any difference in the rate of transmission. End quote. Next question. Is asymptomatic spread, meaning people have the virus, but are healthy enough to not have symptoms, and they're spreading it to those more vulnerable, is that one of the main concerns here? Yes. But all viral infections are asymptomatically spread to some degree. For example, this winter, everyone in my home had the flu except me. But did I not have the flu or did I just have enough health that I was able to hold off presenting the symptoms? All right. So according to Homeland Security, coronavirus SARS-2 is asymptomatically spread 12 to 23 percent of the time. This means the vast majority of people who can spread it are already showing symptoms anywhere from 88 to 77 percent. Next question. Can those infected who get better be reinfected? 
Well, Homeland Security says, quote, there is no evidence, unquote. Those infected who get well can be reinfected once more. This is another one of the major concerns about this virus. And that means that once they have it and present symptoms and defeat it, they now have a natural immunity to further viral infection. Even Dr. Fauci, who tends to err on the side of alarmism, as we have learned these last few weeks, said, quote, he's willing to bet anything, unquote. That will be the case. Next. But isn't our healthcare system being overrun right now? According to Dr. Deborah Burks, who is coordinating the coronavirus task force for the White House, that is not true. Now, she said this on Friday. Maybe that's changed. She said on Friday, quote, there is no evidence that when Americans need a hospital bed, it's not going to be there or a ventilator. It's not going to be there, unquote. Burks added, even in New York City, which is our current hot zone, quote, we are reassured in meeting with our colleagues in New York that there are still ICU beds remaining and still significant over 1,000 to 2,000 ventilators that have not been utilized, unquote, from Dr. Dr. Deborah Burks. So how widespread is the virus here in America? That's our next question we're going to tackle. As of noon Eastern on Sunday, 25 states were reporting 10 or fewer deaths, with New York State responsible for 39.4% of all deaths all by itself. The four states with the highest fatality numbers, New York, Washington, New Jersey, and Louisiana, are responsible for 60.2% of the 2,238 American deaths as of noon Eastern on Sunday. New York and New Jersey were responsible for 52% of all U.S. cases of coronavirus, as reported, again, as of noon Eastern on Sunday. Next question. But what about that simulation that showed up to 2 million Americans could die? The author of that Imperial College survey admitted to British Parliament last week his simulation was flawed at best, I would say a scam at worst, dramatically revising down his original predictions from the UK from a half a million deaths to 20,000. That's that's quite a dramatic revision. But then you may ask this question. What about the massive spike happening? and positive cases and deaths here in the U.S. Well, we just started testing a nation of 331 million. So anytime you go from not testing for something to testing for it, your numbers are going to suddenly grow, especially in this case when we're testing the most vulnerable and symptomatic first. For example, if you're a healthy 35-year-old non-smoking female with no pre-existing conditions and you call your hospital demanding to get tested because you're worried about it, unless you can say you've been exposed to someone who's positive or showing symptoms yourself, it's highly unlikely they're ever going to test you. Therefore, any media that doesn't tell you how many were tested when they throw these numbers around is either irresponsible or trying to stoke a panic. In our home state of Iowa on Friday, it was sensationally reported that 100 people are now hospitalized for coronavirus. By the way, the number today is 51, three days later. There's 51 people in Iowa hospitalized for coronavirus. It was 100 on Friday, all right? Yet when you factor in the total tested, that was 2.5% of the amount of people that were tested as of Friday. The current number is 0.07% of the people tested in Iowa that have tested positive 
or total t- people tested have been have required to be hospitalized. 0.07%. Look at it this way. If you learned 36,000 Americans were going to die in car crashes each year without any context, somebody just called you up and said, hey, we counted how many people died last year from fatalities from automobiles last year. It's 36,000 people. Can you believe this? Well, if you saw a number that stark, you'd consider wanting driving to be banned. But, but you would need to look at it within the context of the fact that 222 million Americans drive. And so when you looked at that fatality rate and realized it was 0.05% of everybody that drives, you would weigh the overall benefits of this transportation mechanism and realize that the overall good that it provides American society is just going to have to be calculated into a 0.05 death rate. We aren't, we aren't doing that with much of the media that's being reported to you about coronavirus. Often you're being told, number one, we've got more cases than China. We don't. They're, they, they're lying. And then two, you're being told all the cases we have, but you're not being told in relationship to how many people have been tested. Well, according to the latest numbers from the White House, and this varies day to day, the more we test. Right now, and again, we're also testing the most symptomatic and the most vulnerable right now on a daily basis. And a lot of the testing is focused in New York, about half of it for the whole country. Right now we're between 14 and 17% of the people we test test positive, depending on the day that you look at it. That's the numbers we're looking at right now. Currently as of noon on Sunday, 1.8% of, of people who have tested positive for coronavirus have died. That amounts to 0.0000, four zeros, 0.00007% of the U.S. population. Two more questions we're going to tackle here. Could Trump or the government, could Trump or the government done more to stop this from happening? Could they have done more? Well, there's always more you can look back on in hindsight and lessons we need to learn about open borders, our over-reliance on Chinese goods, antibiotics, etc., However, President Trump began the process of shutting down travel from China on January 31st, which is 40 full days before the World Health Organization declared SARS-2 coronavirus from China a pandemic, which was on March 11th. He was criticized for it by Joe Biden at the time, even dropped xenophobe in his criticism. As recently as March 10th, the mayor of New York City, Bill de Blasio, that's the nation's coronavirus hot zone, was still urging locals to go out and live their lives. Canada did not ban Chinese travel until March 16th, which I'm sure is merely coincidentally two days after the wife of the prime minister of Canada tested positive for SARS-2 coronavirus. And now our final question. So why do, you, why do you just hate old people? Why, why does your show just hate old people? While we would recommend not even dignifying this level of demagoguery with an answer, at the same time, we're not claiming the virus is a hoax. We never have, and it is not. The suffering that it is causing is very real. Take it and the precautions seriously. As we have been urging you to do for weeks on this show. However, the pathology of the virus is one thing. But the psychology of our public policy is another. And that psychology is being driven by fear because of a lack of facts. 
The data we have simply does not justify treating this as some sort of apocalyptic event and thus risking a great depression or the ruination of our way of life. Your reaction, gentlemen, to that rundown. Aaron, I'll let you go first this time. Um, that's, that's cool. Um, I, I think, I, th I think I'm going to look more forward to, or I think maybe most people at this point are looking more forward to seeing the pods of whales out in the Harbor of New York and attending their <laughs> post snap therapy group because I, I nice reference be, because I, I just I don't have anything left to say my first reaction when my wife came home from her job as a nurse yesterday and you know this has been a, a difficult time for her because she's taking the contrarian position here based on based on what she has has learned from the science and her understanding and her intuition from all of this and very very difficult to reconcile what she's seeing on the ground floor and on the the so-called front lines with everything that's been peddling and peddled in media and all the measures that are being uh, all the, all the measures that are being taken. I had the same reaction. I don't. I I can't say anything. I know a lot of people listening to the show probably probably appreciate these these facts and these links and, and things of that nature. I, it's just when the people who are in charge, who are tax tasked with making these decisions, the experts don't care about any of that and have no, no, absolutely no frame of reference. What it's like to live in the real world when they're in the, when they're in the beltway bubble, it, it just is, you feel helpless and that's a hard, that's a hard thing to fight. And so th this is all all well and good. I don't mean to take a crap. That's not my intention to take a to take a to drop a deuce on all of this. Um, but uh, I, until we have some some fortitude and some leadership, whether it's from business leaders, whether it's from political leaders, doesn't mean a damn thing. Well, let me say this in response to what you just said, because just as I, I said a moment ago. The pathology of the virus, it needs to be separated from the psychology of the public policy panic. The same thing, I think we need the same dualistic quality to our own conversation here. I am simply just wired to not accept BS and call it out. Like I, like I can't be in a room where it exists. I have to, if, if you don't want me to call it out, don't put me in that room. Then I, it's, it's like a... Um, it's a compulsion. I have to do it. And if I try to stifle it, I will. my mouth will just open. It will spontaneously occur. I can't. I just, it's, it's one of my spiritual gifts uh, is, is calling out BS. So we're going to continue to do that here. And there needs to be shows like this one and platforms like The Blaze where, where and maybe the numbers will find out, people will lose interest in, what's really going on. But by golly, we're going to continue to do that all the way to the end because that's how we've always rolled around here. Now, that mission, that missiology stated, affirmed, but notwithstanding. 
What may be the outcome of it, though, as you are articulating, may be ultimately we actually would rather just worship Baal. I mean, we may get that answer, you know, right? Is that kind of the discouragement I'm hearing in your voice that ultimately, yeah, I mean, ultimately we're, we're just, we're just one platform. We're just, we're just here at the blaze. We're just one show and there's others like us here and in other places, but ultimately, you know, it's, it's always been revival or bust. Yes. And as the spirit of the age is breaking down the door, you know, our job is to deliver the message and whatever the outcome is at that point is beyond our scope. So, you know, I'm going to, and, and here's the other thing too, in the next couple of weeks, we may see the spikes they're talking about. We don't know that. When we started asking questions on the show a few weeks ago, I said, Hey, just remember, we might not like the answers we get. All right. Now, so far, their data is not, is showing this is a serious, vicious virus and it's, but it's not apocalyptic. It's just not. Maybe that will change in the next couple of weeks. I don't know. But just as I told everybody a few weeks ago, if this is this level of an event, we don't lose anything by by being skeptical about it's about it from a public policy standpoint because it's outside of our control anyway, right? Well, if indeed these cases spike the next couple of weeks, we can't stop that from happening. One way or the other. Because as we'll get to next next segment when we start looking at what the end game of this is, there is no data. All the data shows it doesn't matter if you do a limited shutdown. It doesn't matter if you quarantine certain people or you just make everybody stay at home. It, 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 you largely get the same result. So in the next couple of weeks, if we don't see these spikes, then we got ahead of the curve again in trying to help set that debate. And then if we do, we were, it's, it's an event that's out of our control anyway. So it didn't cost us anything by asking those questions. Is that, does that, does that make sense, Aaron? Yeah. I mean, it, 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 it makes sense. Um, I guess the frustration is, you know, I'm a, I come at this front as a millennial. I, I'm, I'm, I've been in the same boat as you. I mean, I want I want to ask these questions because I saw from from the very beginning of this when things started to shut down, I saw I saw the opportunity in a bad way, the opportunity for everything being on the table. Everything about what it means to be an American, about Americanism in in general, that was all on the table when things started to shut down. I saw that, which is why I I have a I have a hard time I have a hard time getting as emotionally invested uh, in every single thing that we may talk about on any given day prior to coronavirus, I just have a hard time getting emotionally invested in any of it. Okay, but this one, I saw the threat that this was. This is why I've been in on this from the very beginning, and I'm just telling you as well. Um, I, I, I guess my my source of frustration growing up in this world where we are is I got my hopes up for once that maybe somebody was going to challenge the insanity, you know, somebody in a, in a position of real power. And I've ne- I don't let my hopes, get, I mean, what, what do you tell me all the time? Um, set your expectations low mm-hmm. uh, and you'll never be disappointed. I got my expectations up a little bit last week. So did I. And to have them crushed, that's where I'm, I so that's where, that, that's where I am. With this, and of I'm, course, I'm we'll with, keep. I'm, I'm there with we'll, you. We'll we'll keep we'll keep asking questions, and we'll we'll keep doing that uh, as well because uh, there are a lot of people listening 
who who want that data, but there are the, the entrenched nature right now of people who are giving into the fear. I, I said to somebody last night, I don't understand the psychology of just wanting, just wanting an apocalypse, just wanting disaster, just as I don't understand the psychology of hoarding toilet paper for an upper respiratory tract virus. I know. Or anything like that. So it's just, you know, it's... Can I, you know, you know why there's, there's, there's a couple of reasons why, you know what? There's a couple of reasons why you don't. And probably one of the main one is uh, that you fear God more than man. And, bear, I, and the reality of the amount of people in our culture who yeah. do is dramatically lower See, than we want to believe. Here's, yes, here's the bottom line. The best case from, from a spiritual macro perspective, the best case, which I know is not what we're talking about here. And I, I, I'm sorry, I, I, I don't I'm sorry, want to When we distract. share the video, we'll just share the, the yeah, facts. That's yeah. okay. Yeah. From a macro spiritual perspective, the absolute best case scenario is what some people have said, that this really is God's judgment. That's the best case scenario, guys, because it means that he's actually disciplining us and still, you know, uh, still still has, uh, um, you know, concern instead of just removing his hand of protection because what we're seeing is the latter, the removing the hand of protection. You have it your way, Burger King. It is the Tower of Babel, that type of thing. And, of course, well, I mean... You know, uh, you you tell the story of of Old Testament prophets all of the time. We still have to, still have to. Yeah, you we're know, gonna finish the out, mission. But. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna finish the mission. But I will tell you, I am, I am, I am, I am the exact opposite of where I was when we left here on Friday, about how the mission will end. I I left here with a bounce on my step on Friday. I am. Uh, we're gonna find out. We just opened the box of chocolates, and we're gonna find out what you're gonna get. You know, so on, on a personal level, I'm where you're at, which is why I issued this disclaimer mm-hmm. I did at the top of the show. But I, I've got a mission I have to fulfill. I'm going to fulfill that mission. We're going to do our best to tell the truth until the end. But I am not as optimistic about the outcome of the mission as I was when we left here on Friday. Todd, your thoughts? Uh, well, it, it's going to get w- worse in that respect whether or not the virus actually does. And again, I can't stress enough. I've already mentioned this last week. But again, a a very prominent guy who lives in Iowa that has a national presence stepped forward and said, we are working to uh, develop a uh, track meet for all of Iowa because the Drake Relays, the big, it's college pro high school meet is now been at least delayed, probably canceled. Uh, he's going to, I'm going to step forward. We're putting the wheels in motion because if we get this thing going, we want this thing to happen. And instantly the Debbie Dodgers come in. This is not only is this not going to happen, summer's going to be canceled. And I, and they really believe there's all kinds of people out there that life is shut down until 2021 when we get a vaccine for this thing. This utopia that the smartest, most educated uh, uh, nation in Western civilization created for itself is so based on sloth and fear right now. We are going to be looking back on this as a great experiment of how humanity conditioned itself when it was at its most proud, the deadliest of the seven deadly sins.
And that's the rest of us right now, whether it's hard or not, whether we like it or not, whether it's inconvenient or not, we have an opportunity at hand. It's that great line from the movie 300, which is just a fantastic movie. When they're trying to scare these guys, threaten them with any number of things, we will darken the sky with their arrows. And he looks at them and says, fine, we'll fight in the shade then. Got to keep fighting. There's, there's no opportunity because there's so many lies out there. Do not stand down. Fight back at every opportunity. Yeah, here's the thing. I think maybe based on the context of both of you guys' answers, you think that I'm... No, no, no. Sound, that's, that's not directed. But, okay. But I know no. that there are people who are who are defeated out there. Sometimes, no, see, selling you, the truth, sometimes telling the truth is just like, guys, the state of our culture yeah. and the prevailing, the yes, spirit of the agreed. age, that's, that might just be what is doing us in right now. No, and I, I, think, I, I, sounded, and I, I, I sounded worse than you last night, which is why I didn't call you last night and I called Todd. Uh, so I didn't call the young millennial with a young wife and hope. Okay. So I called and vented to Todd for a half an hour last oh, night because I sounded worse yeah. than you just did on this show. I can promise you that. What's the end game? What could that look like? We'll discuss that here when we come back. So with all the talk about coronavirus, people have stopped talking about things like the flu, which has killed so far this year, 16,000 people hospitalized over a quarter of a million here in the U.S. Flu season's not even technically over yet. Now, one of the best ways to avoid getting sick is with a healthier immune system, which is why you should fortify your body every day with Field of Greens from Brickhouse Nutrition. One scoop has a full serving of real USDA certified organic fruits and vegetables, which can boost energy and support a healthy immune system. And doctors agree that a diet rich in fruits and vegetables can reduce risk of a whole host of things from heart disease uh, to a lot of other things as well. Well, and Field of Greens is prebiotic, probiotic, and a great source of vitamins, fiber, and other nutrients. Just put a scoop into any water-based drink, stir it up, and then you're done. Uh, if you want to give it a shot, this is how we get our son Noah to drink his vegetables at home, is with Field of Greens. Get 15% off of your first order today when you use the offer code Steve at BrickHouseSteve.com. Offer code Steve at BrickHouseSteve.com. Uh, or if you decide, hey, you know what? Uh, this is a great product. I want to have it come to my home every month. Get 10% off if you want to get a subscription to Field of Greens. 10% off of there as well. So Field of Greens, promo code Steve at BrickHouseSteve.com. So over the weekend, I mean, we we did a massive 180 here. If you if you watch the White House press briefing on Friday, where Dr. Deborah Burks was essentially greasing the skids for the reopening to some degree of the country, I, I don't know how you can interpret that any other way. Right? Um, she dismantled the doomsday scenarios. Uh, talked about how you know our healthcare system is holding up, et cetera. It, she was clearly greasing the laying the groundwork for opening up at least some of the country back up. That was on Friday. We get to Sunday, 48 hours, massive 180. It started with the, with the interview that Dr. Fauci, Fauci gave on CNN, culminated with the president taking his recommendation and essentially making Dr. Fauci for now the most powerful person in the country, not the president. He's running the country right now. Now, that may not last long. Typically, the the the... The voice behind the throne, that, that's not a job that usually in human history has a long shelf life, but it's the do, it is the job Dr. Fauci has right now. 
Well, based off of what we were seeing on Friday and before knowing what transpired on Sunday night, I spent a good deal of my Saturday researching what happened with the first SARS. And the reason why is because this is from the SARS family of viruses. So I I posted this on my Facebook page. You can go get it. It's one of the most shared things we've ever had on my Facebook page. And everything that I'm about to tell you is linked and sourced. I went through several sources over several hours on Saturday researching this. So I'm going to share this with you, though, here in the audience. SARS-2 COVID-19 coronavirus is from the SARS family of viruses. And this stands for Severe Acute Respiratory Syndrome. Though the epidemiology of the COVID-19 we're fighting now is not an exact duplicate of the original SARS. For example, this one is in the upper tract, in the throat, which makes it more transmissible with those droplets person to person at close contact, for example. Okay, So though its epidemiology is not an exact duplicate, um, it does attack us and transmissions to other humans similarly, just more viciously. Um, and it came from the same part of the world. If I could put a layman's description on this virus based on the research I did yesterday, and, and really these are the sorts of things that White House reporters should be asking about. I think, I think it's time for these networks now to get, if, to get beyond scoring political points. You know what? Bring in your left-wing medical experts Fine, but at least they'd be asking some medical questions. You know what I'm saying? And and if they want to do it from their own left-wing bias, fine. But I'd I'd much rather see what Sanjay Gupta thinks. Let's get his liberal bias instead of Jim Acosta's. Because then we might actually get some information. You know what I'm trying to say? Sure. If if Gupta's up there with his left-wing bias, at least it's coming from a, a similar background to what's being debated. Rather than whatever in the Sam Hill Jim Acosta is. So since you're not getting that, Shows like this are doing the research and bringing it to you, okay? How many of you even knew, for example, that what we're facing is from the same family of viruses as the original SARS? And that there's all kinds of coronaviruses, and you've probably already been exposed to one in your lifetime. This one, if I could use an analogy, it's, it's, it's in the same universe as like a Friday the 13th or Nightmare on Elm Street slasher film. It's just, it's not, a, it's not a replay of the original. But with every sequel, it, you know, the, the slasher has to get more vicious and more creative in, 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 the, in, in the body count to keep you coming back for more. Otherwise, you get bored and you're like, I've seen this all before. You know, I've seen Jason Voorhees rip somebody's head off. You know, now I need to, you know, with, with an axe. I need to see him do it now with his bare hands or something. You know what I'm saying? That's what this is. It's from the same family of viruses. It's just a more vicious version. The first SARS case was in the fall of 2002 in China. It was declared a pandemic by mid-March of 2003. That is an eerily similar timeline to what we just saw with SARS-2. That's almost exactly what we've seen. Now, they're saying November in China. Maybe it was earlier than that. But then by mid-March, it's a pandemic. Similar timeline. At first, it was identified as a pneumonia alert because it looked similar to other coronaviruses symptomatically. I believe we did that here too. I actually think the virus, it might be even more vicious than we're being told. 
I keep telling you that. I think it's actually killed more people than it's being credited with. And I think it's infected and hospitalized more people than it's being credited with. I just think it's been here for a, a lot longer than we're currently acknowledging. Here's what you need to know, though. It goes to what you were saying last segment. I know I'm running all, we're just going to sit here and do nothing until next year when they have a vaccine. It's overwhelmingly more likely they'll never have a vaccine to this than they will by next year. In fact, they never developed a vaccine for the first SARS. Because the issue with developing a vaccine, coming up with a combination of ingredients that push back on a virus is not the difficult thing. They've probably already got combinations of things that they can put in a lab that when that when they put it when they sicken on the coronavirus or COVID or SARS two coronavirus this one probably crushes it probably came up with that actually pretty quick. It's what can be used for human consumption that is the issue, right? What's the law of unintended consequences here? If I inject you with this to fight this, do I bring smallpox and shingles back? Okay. That's, and that's what takes 12 to 18 months of trials to find out. What's the law of unintended consequences with this? What do we do when we start messing around on this level with human body chemistry? And we do it in mass, billions of people worldwide. So this isn't the 30s and 40s and we're fighting polio. We, we, with the advances of medical science, coming up with something that can, in a lab, on its own, take a chainsaw to SARS-2 coronavirus, that's not the problem with what we know now. It's, it's coming up with one that your body can tolerate and, and the cure doesn't become worse than the disease. That's the issue. And it's going to take a long time to test for that. And the odds are better they'll never have one than they'll have one next year at some point. We never did get a SARS, a SARS-1 vaccine. They worked on it for several years, and then eventually, when there was no more of a demand for it, the funding for it dried up when the, when the virus had burnt itself out. So then how was it defeated? Travel bans to the hot spots, social distancing were practiced back then. But the latter more in line with what Japan, South Korea, and others have responded to with this coronavirus, as opposed to the systemic societal shutdowns currently happening in the U.S., Israel, the European Union. It is worth noting that several free Far Eastern countries right now who fought the first SARS on their doorstep 17 years ago have not gone all in right away for, all whole, for wholesale isolation um, with SARS-2 coronavirus the way that we have. And if you look at the data models so far, it shows that all-out shutdowns are not any more effective in limiting exposure than the targeted ones. And there may be an answer to that. I'll tell you in a minute what that could be. So here's what happened at the end. From late May to mid-July, um, the CDC, and, or I'm sorry, the WHO, World Health Organization, began lifting the travel bans to the most infected areas. That began with Toronto on May 20th, finished with Taiwan. On July 15th. So apparently the World Health Organization knew what Taiwan was back in 2003, yeah, Aaron, but doesn't, doesn't know now. All right. Now, why did it clear up those months without a vaccine? The precautions already taken had isolated the outbreak enough that basically creation did itself or did the rest. Um, the heat and humidity of the summer finished off what was left of the SARS virus and it was just gone. 
However, there was a second wave. Now, this this is other than the odds of a vaccine being ready for you by next year are not high. This is the next big takeaway from this. You need to you need to remember. Okay, there was a second wave of SARS and it began in Toronto which was the North American epicenter of SARS back then as New Mexico as New York City is for SARS 2 right now. And it saw its second wave primarily because of the hospitals. The hospitals being the source of the second wave changed the way hospitals in Canada and around the world conduct internal affairs. So that begs the question, why would a modern contemporary Canadian hospital be a petri dish for SARS. I was reading a study, and again, this is shared on my Facebook page. Go find this post, all right? Facebook.com slash Steve Dace. I've linked to everything I'm telling you. I've linked to all of it there. You guys have read through this, right? Yeah. Everything here is linked. You can read it all for yourself, all right? In 2011, the University of Hong Kong attempted to answer this question. And they did a peer, re- and they published a peer-reviewed study. Here is what it, here's what it uncovered. The University of Hong Kong survey um, found that the SARS family of viruses are especially stubborn. And they can live on what's called a fomite. I didn't know what that was. I had to look that up. A fomite is a medical community term that describes an infected surface or inanimate object, like a counter, table, a doorknob. Okay? When the conditions for the SARS virus are dry air, even warmer dry air, 71 to 78 degrees. The virus can survive on one of these infected fomites for up to five days. Now, what would be a dry climate in the low 70 degrees? What, what kind of institutions have that year around? Hospital. Hospitals do. And this University of Hong Kong study surmised this is why the indoor environments were the launch pad of, of the second wave of SARS after the, the, the tropical summer burnt off what was left. However, when we get past 85 degrees and warmer and more humid air, the SARS family of viruses can, can barely, in some cases, survive not even 15 minutes of exposure before they are burnt away. Now, here's what this could mean for our country in the current outbreak, if this University of Hong Kong peer-reviewed study is correct. SARS-2 coronavirus has followed a similar launch timeline of the original SARS. Therefore, I don't think it's nuts and maybe even reasonable to theorize its demise could follow a similar timeline as well. Theorize means we're theorizing. Doesn't mean that this is a, it's a fact. We're theorizing based on pre-existing knowledge. If that's the case, the warmer, the muggier the weather gets, the risk of human-to-human direct transmission declines considerably. I think Nate Silver at 538 made a very important point over the weekend when he pointed out, we have no idea that what, what social distancing is doing to stop the spread of this in America because we're just now going to begin to get the data that takes that into account. There's a lag time. Right? We just started doing this 14 days, or 14 days ago. So we don't know what impact it's going to have because we're just now going to start to get the data from it. However, indoor climate-controlled environments could remain at risk 
well after nature does its job. Therefore, to mitigate a feared and likely second wave of coronavirus SARS-2, even after we open society back up, you're probably going to need to still practice vigilant disinfecting of climate-controlled environments, like the ones we've all been sent home and quarantined to. You, you may need to persist in disinfecting them vigilantly even after the weather turns this to our advantage across the country, if it follows a similar, a similar time it track, it's not, it, it's far more vicious than the original SARS, but the timeline so far has been similar than the, uh, similar to the original SARS. So if, if that, if we have a similar demise tract, we're going to probably have to be much, continue to be digital, d- uh, vigilant about disinfecting our indoor climate controlled environments, running the AC inside when it's 95 degrees outside. You have any thoughts on that, Todd? Well, one that comes to mind, and it can't be definitively said, we need more, but based on everything that's laid out, it's possible that the opposite of flattening the curve has happened because of the actions we've undertaken in the last three weeks. It's possible that to some extent we actually spiked the curve because when you had such conflicting messages for a while, stay at home versus come in and get tested. And that's still out there now. The only way you can solve this is if we all get tested. Well, if you all get tested, you got to leave your place. Go get tested somewhere. It's, we've been, the mania that I, the word I've been using to describe this before, to describe the world we live in, well before we were talking about coronavirus, that, that level of mania, that psychological and emotional confusion we live in has been living in the heads of doctors and scientists as well we've been getting a lot of conflicting messages and if anybody tells you for sure that the flattening the plan has been working and is working at the very least you can put a pause on that because of what steve just said you have no way of knowing that right now yeah do you want to continue no i'm done yeah, okay you may well, get the last I, word i yeah i would agree with i would agree with with what what todd said as well and you know at, at the end of the day at some point we have to have our attention spans most of america has to have attention spans big enough to just take a step back and look hey two weeks ago they said two weeks now they're telling me another two weeks or maybe more than that this is going to peak and it hasn't yet uh, it's back to work. That decision is going to have to be made soon. We're going to stick around and get the latest numbers from our good friend Jordan Schachtel for today's overtime. BlazeTV.com, promo code Steve. For the rest of you, see you tomorrow, John 317. This is Steve Dace on the Blaze Radio Network.